0: So if you're a self-learner that doesn't have an opportunity to study with a teacher that sets a curriculum for you, how would you approach working out your own language learning schema?
1: So it's a very good question. I think it's a very important question to ask yourself as a language learner when you start learning a language, because um, if we take, for example, the French language, we would have... And if we just take one metric vocabulary, we'd have 50,000 words in the the French language. So if you open a dictionary and you start with A and you want to learn the language from A to Z, you would have 50,000 words. And of course, nobody wants to do that. But also with only 300 words um, in a language, you will cover basically 50% of occurrences you would have in any given text or conversation. Of course, these words would be kind of meaningless by themselves. When you reach 2000, we are about 80%, depends how you count. But there's also something that is more important than than this. It's like, the question I ask myself personally when I learn a language is uh, when I prepare, the first thing is like, okay, a week from now, I would go to a bar or whatever, like to meet up. And let's say I meet somebody who's a native speaker of the language I'm learning. What am I going to say in the language first for them to realize I speak the language and then what is going to happen? So, for example, um, like, I don't know, you're learning Chinese. That happened to me, same with Turkish. It's like I meet a native speaker. And so I ask, uh, uh, my, my Chinese is a bit rusty now, but like ma? Right. And so like, they won't say, they won't answer, say like, yes, uh, how old is your sister? Or like, do you have a table next to the window? Not, they are not going to ask that. Right. They are going to ask very precisely like, yeah, I'm from blah, blah, And oh, are you learning Chinese? They are very likely to ask you that. Or like, do you speak Chinese? They're asking back. So you know what to expect. You know what to answer. Just from that, you're already starting a conversation. People are like, whoa, you've been learning Chinese for a, for a week and you can speak. So it's very basic. Just learn the conversation by heart, step by step. And of course, then you go further in the questions and answers you will get. And of course you learn the language, like the the structures of the language, otherwise it's a nightmare to memorize just because the phrase is like that. So you need
0: to work out basically, what do I want to say? That's something which happens in your mother tongue. What kind yeah. of a conversation, if it were in my mother tongue, would I have? And then you kind of plot uh, the different directions that the conversation could go. Yeah. And then from there, how do you work out how to actually study those potential conversations? It's,
1: it's insanely simple. Uh, like, usually what I do is I take Google Translate, I type it in English, I check the answer in the language. Then I will maybe copy paste and Google it a little bit, like to see if uh, I can find... Because in the beginning of the conversation, like, where are you from? What do you do? For how long have you been le- the la- learning the language? These things are very frequent. You will find them in textbooks. You will find maybe some alternatives, like, or people discussing if it's formal or informal. And which uh, variant you want? There are excellent um, translation tools like DeepL, for example. They use a lot for language learning. Uh, DeepL is an alternative to Google Translate. Uh, the main feature is that you can click on words, to and it will offer some alternatives. So, for example, in French, you can have different ways of asking a question, like from very formal and very textbook, like uh, uh, "Aimez-vous votre travail?" Do you like your work? To very informal, "T'aimes travail?" which will be more informal. And there is a range. And on Deeperl, you can see this variant. That's the first thing, like just Googling it.
0: (laughs) Is that something that I should be worried about? That maybe as a learner of French that's just started out, I don't know the difference between tu and vous. And I might see these come up, and I might not know that there's a difference in politeness, which I -hmm. happen to know that because I do speak French. Mm -hmm. But is that something that should maybe concern me? That there are a load of known unknowns that might... Uh, make this process uh, a, a bit daunting?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, yeah, that's something. The um, th- There is a step that uh, usually when I'm learning a language and also I'm biased for that because I have some experience, but I just check on Wikipedia, like I just read the page about the language. And so it will just cover like the basic features of the language. Oh, like there is no past tense in this language. Like i don't do that. Or And you will more or less know what to expect. What is very important is to test your conversation. Like not start learning a lot of things. You, you test and people will give you. F- so what is good is like to, to have a language, an exchange partner or a teacher. You can test your things and they will tell you like, okay, this sentence, you can change it like that. It goes very fast and you can cover a lot in, a, in, a, in one session uh, with a tutor or a teacher or like any native. They would just tell you like, oh, that's too formal. And then you test in real life and you have a first win and then you can move on to adding more to your conversation.
0: If you're asking a language partner to help you especially in these early stages where you're just working out your first two or three sentences, what kind of things should you be asking a language partner to do? Should you expect them to intervene quickly? Should you expect them to teach you concepts? Mm. What what's the request that you make of this person?
1: So basically you want you want the only thing you want to hear from natives is like like basically asking the question, would you say it like that? Because if you ask, is it correct to say it like that, maybe they say no, but they will still say it like that, that's something that happens a lot in French because teachers don't want to teach spoken French because it's wrong to say tabby 2 or something like that for where do you live. So you want, you want to ask the partner, uh, yeah, does, is it a natural way of asking? Uh, or is, does this answer sound natural? The, the way i i don't even ask this question usually i go straight uh on a, on a platform for language exchange for italki for example i contact a, a tutor usually a cheap one because i don't want them to go through a course or anything i just want them to chat and i write something uh in english i put on google translate i give them in the language i make them believe that i already speak the language so then they are, when they start talking to me, they right. will give me something very natural and they will expect me to have an answer. So I know what would be the first question and, and they will talk to me in a way that is natural. It's pretty intense, but at least the expectations for yourself are not high. You don't speak the language, you just fake it. And sometimes they don't realize that you don't really speak the language.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what happens if they do find out that you're a complete fraudster?
1: Well, you can just say in English, okay, yeah, like I, I, let me, let me Google that. You know, like, like, let me Google my answer. or Like, I don't understand. Can you translate? But yeah, at least you have, you have a good idea of what people say when they speak normally.
0: So I think this is a really good way of, of getting started. And I think certainly when you're learning a language, having a few quick wins early on uh, is a real confidence booster and can really help motivate. But let's say you have long periods where you're not going to have lots of opportunity to speak with native speakers, but you nevertheless want to make some progress. It can be completely overwhelming to think, all right, well, maybe I should be focusing on grammar. Maybe I should be doing a vocab list. If I do a vocab list, should I start with colors? Should I start with the animals? Mm -hmm. How do you make sense of what's important to start with?
1: Yeah. So, like, just look at your everyday life. What are the phrases you're saying all the time? and are really important. Not, not for example, like talking about specific things, but let's go, or like, are you hungry? Or what are you doing? Or when you catch up with a friend, like, how have you been? How was your week? What did you do last weekend? Where's your project going? All these phrases would give you a very good idea of what you really need when you want to speak the language. Uh, Basically, yeah, um, anything that comes in a list that seems very convenient to learn and, for example, Anything that you would think that that's great teaching material for a toddler, don't learn it. That's my rule of thumb. So, for example, uh, animals. Yes, you need cats, dogs. They are like in the most frequent animals. Then any animal that people eat. <laughs> sorry, vegan propaganda here. <laughs> any all that people eat, you will need them <laughs> like chicken. I mean, in English, beef so, uh, or things like that. You will need it if you like for reasons. But yeah, I avoid them. <laughs> uh, colors as well. It's like, of course, you will need them at some point, but this is not what makes a conversation fail, Are grammar patterns. And I don't mean grammar, I mean you being able to use a construction in the language. If you cannot use past tense, forget it. It's yes, like people, like you're never stuck in a conversation. Even if we speak English now, and I don't know the name of an animal or I don't know the name of a color, which is very likely to happen. Actually, that happens to me all the time in English. Well, it would be very easy to describe, you know, very easy to... The same with numbers, actually. Mm. Most of the time, numbers, you need to know basically like, you know, like basic numbers to say like, you know, like a month ago, I started learning the language uh, like two, two years ago or something like that. But you don't need to overthink it because most of the time it's for transactions. Numbers are written. Maybe people will say them out loud, but when you buy something, it's written. And numbers, like you, you learn them uh, easily. Just that this is not a top priority. It seems counterintuitive, but when you make the experience, and I did it over and over, like uh, yeah, with with Hungary and with Turkish, with Chinese, I didn't learn the, the numbers like as a lesson. Lesson, I learned the, didn't learn the ling- uh, the um, the numbers, and yeah, I never felt like I needed to stop and take time to learn them. It's like you learn some examples and then come through this. Uh, and I suppose
0: that there are some shortcuts you can always get away with, right? You know, learning, yeah. maybe you don't need to learn one, two, three, but you could learn "Iliad uh, which gets, which makes yeah. sure that you can say a few months ago, meaning that you don't need to learn one, two or three months, you can just talk in general terms. Mm-hmm. So may- maybe that's a good idea. Maybe learning how to say uh, some uh, or a few of those, please, um, means that you never have to worry about asking for two or three or or, uh, or a bunch or, or any other... Uh, any other kind of specifics, and I think that's a that's a nice idea. And so you talk about grammar patterns. I don't really understand what you mean by grammar patterns as opposed to grammar. Could you talk about that for a bit?
1: Grammar would be, for example, I mean, uh, when we think about learning grammar, we tend to 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 look at, for example, from, like what do you need to know? And there are concepts like, for example, uh, concepts that I barely know the name even in French because I don't teach them like that. But like pronoun possessive, objet direct, complément d'objet indirect, all these concepts. And usually, for if you've if you've been learning languages for a while, you can be comfortable with grammar concepts and what they mean and how to them. But when you're a beginner, it's like it's like kind of like another layer of learning. You need to understand what they are, and also there's a difference between uh, knowledge, which is like uh, like understanding how grammar works for language, and the skill of using it. And I see that all the time, uh, teaching or learning languages myself, like for example easy to sometimes to understand like the I don't know like the russian locative it's like wait when somewhere something is somewhere it's locative but then using it even if you learn the tables of declensions and stuff and how it works with uh, all the like the uh, masculine feminine neutral plural then using it is much different and what happens in real life is most of the time like you will need some structures very like very important like for example like uh, in the street would be a very important one to know. For example, in Russian, and if you learn grammar, you will learn all these concepts like with locative, and you will feel like you need to know all of this very well. But in real life, you need some of it very well. Um, yeah, it's the same in French. For example, with the e, this y, this uh, this e that is like very confusing. Oh, sometimes. yes. Yeah. Well,
0: like like ilia. Yeah. That, that e, right?
1: Yeah. And for example, in yeah. ilia. Well, il a, you learn it as one thing, it's there is, or they are, mm. instead of thinking like, oh, you have to know that what is il, it's he, and e means there and a is to have. And so it means like he, there has. It's like, yes. It's a complete exactly. mess. Yeah. It's the same in French. You would have a lot of phrases with aller, like for example, j'y vais, which means like, I go, just I go is j'y vais or on y va, which we let's go. So by learning these, you're learning a grammar point in context. But it's not like you're learning the, 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 the formal grammar.
0: And so is it best to think about learning these grammar points just in the context of sentences that they used and working out the patterns of usage when you get to a slightly more advanced level?
1: Yes. So w- what I would recommend is that so you follow your conversation or like sentences you might use. You you find them either like through translation or, or like you know, in subtitles. Or you find the, sen- the sentence, and then from there you're like, okay, what is this e, for example, in French, or what is this? Uh, what do they put a the ye at the end of this Russian noun? Why is it changing? And then you can you can like quickly look at Russian grammar or, grammar or something like that to find an explanation. Just get the gist of the explanation. You don't learn the whole thing that applies to any situation. You say, okay, in this case, when we say in the street, we change the word street and add something at the end. Okay, good. And then you say, okay, what if I change street for in the car? Is it something similar? And then you can explore with different sentences like that. So in a way you learn through examples, make sure that the examples are relevant for you, that you're not saying like in the giraffe, for example. That would be not very useful. Um, I don't Ooh. know. I, again, <laughs> it depends on the parts of the world. I you don't know. Depends, uh, where you ex- yeah, it depends where you work. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you learn grammar through examples. So you, you understand the grammar because you want to memorize well your example. But your your example is the thing you you really work with. You really memorize.
0: And what happens where you kind of reach the end of that? So, I mean, let, let's take that French example mm-hmm. of E, right? Because C- I remember when I learned French, I found that uh, very difficult. And I think if I learned the pattern E, I would very easily get that confused mm-hmm. with on, the, the word EN, right? And I could very much uh, imagine myself mm-hmm. saying, Qu'est-ce que vous y pensez? Because right? I'm mm. kind of thinking, well, e must mean it. So then I'm saying, well, what do you think of it? Qu'est-ce que vous y pensez? And of course, I know, mm-hmm. uh, having studied the language, that I should say on, not e. But that's not necessarily intuitive. Do you think that getting yourself in tangles like this is just, well, that's something that can happen if you... Uh, take this method and you sometimes have to take the rough with the smooth or do you think at some point you should start diving deep and looking at the kind of the granularity of the grammar points yeah
1: but usually it's that's i would say that's not the biggest problem for language learners i think they like a lot of learners will easily find resources to explain this enr all over the internet what is not all over the internet is the work of just learning that right for example, j'y pense souvent. I often think about that. J'y pense souvent is a phrase that you know can just learn it like that. It's very useful. And you have a e, and you can deconstruct it to make sense of why it's e. And um, uh, qu'est-ce que tu en penses? What do you think about it? Would be another one. What the real work? It's it's easy mm. to practice grammar. It's comfortable. It's, a, it's an environment where, you know, you're low stress. You can like, it's an intellectual activity that we are used to. What is hard is practice. And also like practicing to the point that you can use this concept in real life. So in a high stress environment where you don't want to speak the language, but you have to, and you have to come up with it. So of course you cannot use, you cannot use your so, slow rational brain that has studying that, okay, now I'm thinking about it and not there. And so the preposition is not de, ah, so I should e, And so you say like, okay, est-ce que tu y penses souvent? <laughs> that doesn't happen in real life. People know it or not. <laughs> and, and I suppose when you're in that kind of mentality, you
0: might just, you know, I like this idea of the, the fast brain and the slow brain in language learning, because sometimes you might know, well, that expression exists. I can't reach it but I need to ask that question. I'll just find another way. So maybe you might say, you might want to say, qu'est-ce que t'en penses? Because you've heard that expression. It doesn't come to you, but you can say, tu penses quoi de ça Obviously that's a mess of a sentence. That's fine. But you'll get there, right? The put the, the you know, but, but that that's not as elegant <laughs> as what you want to say, right? But it's it gets you there, doesn't it? And and so I like this idea of acknowledging the fact that when you're in a live conversation with someone, maybe it's better to just go with your instincts, accept the fact that you might say something which is slightly inelegant, or you might say something which is uh, maybe not perfect, or maybe even plain wrong. Uh, but as soon as you've thrown that ball back to your interlocutor, you then got a little bit more breathing space where, where you can maybe you know calm down, uh, recollect your thoughts, and wait wait for the next opportunity to uh, to, to answer back. Um, do you think that you can practice this idea of using your instinctive brain?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, what I would recommend is uh, like practicing these phrases uh, with a space repetition system. Definitely 100% most important thing. It's a memory game. Like basically, there are some people who just see learning as just like memorization, like just rote memorization. And for me, it's pretty close to that. Like I, I think and to overcomplicate it you need your brain to perform fast to have an ability to recall very fast and that creates the intuition when you can recall let's say like 10 phrases that are useful that you might use all the time or that hopefully you use all the time already because you practice with people uh, 10 sentences using e you have a strong intuition of what it's like and so for example the, the mistake uh, um, if you say um, qu'est-ce que tu y penses that's, that's a good mistake, in a way. It's not correct, by the way. It should be, qu'est-ce que tu en penses? What do you think about it? But it's a good mistake, because there's a lot of patterns with penser à quelque chose. And so, y penser. So, j'y pense. Um, yeah. So, like, for example, native speakers would make this mistake, because it's a, it's a pattern yeah. mistake. It's not really a, like a grammar study mistake. So yeah, I think you can develop your instinct by, um, by practicing recalling a lot of useful phrases using a pattern. Uh, over time
0: and so then when you do end up second-guessing yourself sometimes Mm -hmm. you can just ask your question well what sounds right in my head and normally if you've done enough of this repetition the patterns are kind of already there in the background and so actually you'll be able to trust your judgment more and more it's
1: also i mean again making mistakes is uh it's perfectly fine and this is actually a very good metric uh of uh progress like the more mistakes you make the, the better in language learning because it's like if you're making mistakes that means like you're you're taking risk and so you're exploring the language it's very hard to really guess the proper way to say something the first time so yeah making mistakes is a good metric
0: and how can you track your progress using this method of running with your instincts making mistakes and then picking up the pieces afterwards how can you know that you're getting Mm -hmm. better yeah that's a very good question worse Um, and worse mistakes
1: yeah the so there are different ways um but something that that is quite uh i mean that i use when i learn a language is um, i have a specific conversation topic um with subtopics i want to be able to talk about and I would practice discussion. The problem with like practicing in real life, people don't give you a lot of feedback in real life because it's kind of rude. Like I would be, I would be if you gave me some feedback on my English right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't uh, dare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's why sometimes it's good to have a tutor or a teacher um, that is like kind of specialized in conversation to give you some feedback on speaking. Um, and, and also like sometimes just to check if you're making a mistake all the time. That's what I do with my English. Like I've been making the same mistakes for 10 years, and my girlfriend's having a hard time giving them every day the same mistakes. It's really funny for me, not for her.
0: <laughs> I like that you said that language learning is just a memory game, because I think that's quite motivational to think that, well, if I'm able to memorize one thing, then I'm able to memorize 10 things then by extension, I'm able to memorize 50,000 things, which gets me to the end of the dictionary. And so, do do you really believe this is true, that if you're able to memorize something, you're able to speak a language? Because I think some people genuinely believe that even if they're capable of learning a language, maybe even they've done it once before and they're looking to learn their third language, they might still deep down think there's just something that might never click. I'll always feel like I'm, uh, you know, chasing something which I'll never be able to to obtain. Is there something extra, dare I say, a certain je ne sais quoi, which is necessary uh, uh, on top of the memorization?
1: Yes, one thing, pronunciation. If your pronunciation is good, your memorization is good, I think you can just... I, I, I think I hear a lot this, this concept of something clicking, uh, like from... English speakers, uh, like my English speaking students, they wanted to click. And I think of things you can learn would click. Like if you learn programming, for example, it would click. Or even like writing, maybe there is something at some point like pieces come together. But I feel like, an, in like you have to have a different mindset. It's like in the beginning, if you're doing it mm. right in the beginning, it would be easy. And then it would just get like harder to make progress because of the, the, the fact that a few things are very useful all the time, and then it's more and more rare. So the more you advance in the language, the harder it is. Um, and so I think that's the right mindset. It's like it's like learning, like a, like a, to play the piano or learning to dance or learning martial arts. It's this thing. It's like the, in the beginning you might learn a few tricks that get you in most situations, but then like you want to advance, and it will not click. Like for native speakers, it doesn't click. It's just they spend a lot of time early on in their life when they were, it was also easy for them to acquire the right phonetic, but like it doesn't click. And I think it's, it's not sad. It actually makes it easier. It's a very like straightforward thing. It's like memorize the things, know them well, recall them well, understand them, of course. It's not like learning things like just phone number. And with that, you would be able to, yeah, you have your your curriculum or your, your way of learning a language
0: so is is there anything that you can do to improve your pronunciation if you don't have access to a native speaker that's going to correct you
1: yeah um, i think it's like there is actually something that can click with pronunciation which is like to understand uh, first of all the way the language is written is probably not accurate uh, not important for learning pronunciation so Learning the alphabet is the part of uh, reading and writing. It has nothing to do with print. It has to do, but let's say it has nothing. For French, for example, right. this alphabet is just a mistake in French. It shouldn't look like that. That's this simple. The French like, look awful. It's a disaster. We, we are too conservative to change it. It shouldn't look like that. But you need to uh, <laughs> to look at phonetic transcriptions. There are tools online. You just Google phonetic transcription French, whatever, and you have tools. You paste your sentence in French or in Chinese. Uh, Chinese very useful, of course, or any other language, and you check the phonetic. Of course, it will look like very scary or whatever. But quickly, you will be able to say, okay, like this weird character is a je, and this is a er. And so then you see really what the language looks like and then you will have all the components of the language each character is a sound that you have to be able to make so then you have tons of tutorials on youtube on how to pronounce things what is important is to keep in mind that pronunciation is just like physical thing that you have to put your lips uh your tongue in the right position basically that's it and at first you won't be able to hear yourself clearly because You're a beginner. When I was learning English, for me, there was no difference between the and the. No difference. Couldn't hear any difference. And so I learned to put my tongue there, but I couldn't hear a difference. For me, I was still saying the. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
0: I think that's something that learners forget, that we're so used to the shape of our own mouths, that actually, in order to speak another language, we do... Uh, We are required to change some degree of physicality, like, Mm. you know, to use uh, an example of of Japanese, uh, which has the Mm. rari-rure-ro line uh, of characters, that particular sound is kind of slightly in between an R and slightly in between an L in English. Or at least that's how it's normally described. And that's how I started to approach saying it. I kind of started saying an R and then changed my mouth to make an L. And I soon realized that's not useful. Mm. What's useful is understanding how that character actually sounds and what mouth shape do I need to do to create that character, not use a proxy through English. And uh, and that kind of revolutionized my uh, my approach to learning how to pronounce Japanese. Because I realized, yeah. well... All of my current mouth shapes are only serving one purpose: my native language, uh, and so I might need to learn how to make a new mouth shape. As, as bizarre as it sounds, um, I still don't think I've ever, I've ever got the French h down yet. That's though. pretty good. It still yeah. feels very unnatural. It's
1: a, ve- it's a very tough one. It's a very tough one to teach for me as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, like I, I often, I mean, for for um, depends on the language, but I often tell my students that they have to feel un- uncomfortable when they are pronouncing. They have to look, they have to feel like they are making faces that are ridiculous. And specifically for Mm. French, you have to look like the you have to look like that. If you look (laughs) like that, you're probably doing it wrong. Uh, Right. Sorry. Yeah. Uh,
0: The final thing I'd like to talk to you about is the concept of words per minute, which you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. This is something which, for someone that likes to track progress, you know, I I know some people that only like to attempt a new task if they can find some metric that they can benchmark each day to show Mm -hmm. progress. This seems like something that you're able to measure yourself if you make a recording, track, and see that you get better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so um, actually, so a lot of students are telling me they wanted to be fluent, and they didn't know what it meant because... Nobody knows what it means, and so basically, I say, okay, let's let's have uh, like let's agree on what it means to be fluent. Because some people are the C1 level, but they are not fluent; they are very slow. And for the example of the way I learn languages, for me, like I need to be fluent in one conversation in a week. Like I need to be fluent when I talk about. I'm learning the language. If I'm not fluent, it means like I'm not learning well, because if I'm slow, I'm recalling things. It's not an instinct. yet. it's not a skill. It means like I'm putting together knowledge. A native speaker, depending on languages, will talk at around 120 words per minute, something like that. And so if you want to speak like a native and like speak fluently, for example, you can use, um, to make it simple, you start a timer on your phone. You open your laptop you open uh, google translate or something like that that has a speech to text and you turn the microphone on it will transcribe what you say which would be a very good feedback on your pronunciation as well if it understands you and then you start speaking and you see like any topic that would be relevant and then you you speak for a minute then you pause and then you you check how many words divided like by uh, the minute how many words you had And that's a way, it's kind of a trick as well to force you to speak. Because for a minute, you're trying to produce as much as you can. The trick here is like, you don't have to make sentences. You can speak like a native. Mm. For example, in French, if I have to talk for a minute, I would start. Alors, uh, bah en fait, je sais pas trop quoi dire, Uh, je sais pas de quoi je vais parler, donc uh, bon, uh, voilà, y'a pas, je sais pas, je sais pas quoi parler. But that's perfectly fluent. Nobody would say, oh, you don't know how to speak French. That's fluent. Use a lot of fillers. We don't always have something to to say, so it's important to know how to say nothing in a language.